Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. For the West, it's part of the front line against Islamic State. But Mali, in West Africa, one of the poorest countries in the world has now been ravaged by war for almost a decade. This battle is proof that the campaign against rebels in Mali is not over. With war still raging, last week, France started to draw down its troops. But as they prepare to leave, a private Russian militia, the Wagner Group, is swooping in. The Russians have never quite gone away from Africa. A relatively small number of really efficient, trained people can nudge the country in their direction. After Afghanistan, is Mali about to become the next strategic failure for the West and the centre of a proxy war with Russia? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today... What are Vladimir Putin's mercenaries doing in Mali? I'm Roger Boys, and I'm the diplomatic editor for The Times. I've been a correspondent, foreign correspondent, that is, for 35, 40 years. Roger Boys is a veteran foreign policy watcher, and he's been following Mali closely. So when a cargo plane containing four helicopters and a large consignment of military hardware touched down in the Malian capital Bamako earlier this month, he raised a quizzical eyebrow. The kit was definitely from Russia, but was this the Russian army or something else? Well, actually the kit is probably Russian army and it's been put at the disposal of a group called the Wagner Group. They call themselves private military contractors, but more commonly known really as mercenaries, in the service of Russia. And they're moving to Mali to essentially prop up the regime as it stumbles its way through a multiple crisis. Why are these Russian private military contractors, this Wagner group as it's known, interested in Mali in the first place? A shift is emerging away from France towards Russia. Russian authorities have repeatedly denied that Wagner contractors carry out their orders. Reports say the Russian group is close to signing a deal. Russia. Its foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, confirmed Mali had requested the assistance of a Russian military contractor, but didn't mention the Wagner Group by name. What's the mission? To shore up the military junta of Mali. 
a bombshell revelation because uh, we're talking now about 1,000 contractors from Wagner. In return, the group gets cash and in some countries rich in oil, gold and diamonds, extraction rights. More on those mercenaries in a moment. But how did modern-day Mali, a country known for its francophone culture, its jazz cafes and music festivals, become a hub for terrorism and violence? Well, the problem with a podcast is I can't show you a map. But there is <laughs> We're imagining <laughs> it as you speak. But let's imagine a map that goes from just below the Sahara, from the east almost completely to the west of the continent. So Mauritania, which has a coast, and then a whole chain of landlocked countries, which include Mali, Burkina Faso, Chad, Niger. And these are the Sahel. Most of them were under French colonial control. And they're probably the poorest part of the poorest continent. And in fact, they're the fastest growing part of Africa. And Mali is at the heart of it all, because Mali is where different things intersect. For one thing, it's a crucial part in the migration route to Europe. The many people in West Africa who want to get out because of bad governance, because of corruption, the creeping awareness of climate change, they all go through Mali. So that's one factor that why Mali is important. And the other intersects with that, which is that jihadists have found the new safe haven because a lot of this territory, a lot of the Sahara, it's kind of heat and dust, basically. And up towards Timbuktu, it's almost lawless. And Al-Qaeda and various factions of the reconstituting Islamic State are finding a home. And when these two factors come together, mass migration and a revival of violent Islamic radicalism, then one has to see that it's a security issue and a strategic issue. And that's why different countries have got interested in this area and are worried about it. The Western response to this has been, first of all, to look away to some degree, but it has at least got a, a United Nations mission there of about 13,000 men. But on the whole, it needs a sharp edge. That sharp edge is provided by France. French troops have been in Mali since 2013. And now France has decided, taking a leaf really out of Biden's withdrawal from Afghanistan, that France too shouldn't overcommit itself to a country that might well slip into an abyss and become a forever war. Last week, France started to reduce its footprint in Mali. One of the French generals in charge said the idea is not to create a vacuum, the idea is to leave the responsibility of these areas to the Malian state. If you're hearing echoes of what was said around the withdrawal from Afghanistan, you're not wrong. The Prime Minister of Mali was furious. He accused France of abandoning the country mid-flight, which in turn provoked an angry response from the French President, Emmanuel Macron. I was shocked. Those remarks are unacceptable. I would like to remind the Malian Prime Minister that he's the child of two coups, if I may say so. So the current government has zero democratic legitimacy. What the Malian Prime Minister said is inadmissible, it's shameful. And it dishonors what doesn't even amount to a government. 
Paint a picture for us of what's happening on the ground. Who are the current government and how did they come to power? Well, they came to power in uh, a coup. <laughs> uh, there was a coup Both last well. year. Yeah. <laughs> there was a coup last year in August. The president was pushed aside. The president was pretty hopeless in terms of competence and hopeless in terms of corruption. The people who took over were colonels. And they set out a kind of roadmap, which would include a constitutional referendum at the end of this month and elections by February of 2022. And that's to say a return to civilian rule. And then came a second coup in May. Dressed in full military regalia, the man who led Mali's second coup in nine months is officially sworn in as president. The move sparked international uproar. And this has complicated things. Former colonial power France, meanwhile, suspended joint military operations with the Sahel state. And it seems pretty clear they're not keen on this transition to democracy at all, or even pretending that there's going to be a transition to democracy. Which makes it quite hard for international countries who've been propping up the government to keep supporting them. Well, it depends where the narrative is. If the narrative is, well, democracy, they'll get there in the end. But in the meantime, we need security to beat back the jihadists and make sure that they don't move on the capital. Then previous experience shows that the West could accept that kind of arrangement because the fear of terror being exported to Europe is greater than the fear that Mali might not have a democratic outcome. And this, I'm afraid, is the cynical calculation that has basically defined Western and other people's activities in, 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 on, on the continent of Africa for many decades. So that's partly where we are. And into this play all sorts of things, like the French elections. Macron faces the presidential elections next spring, and French soldiers have been dying. I think about 50 have died since the operations began in 2013. It's one of these areas where the far-right opposition to Macron can make ground because people don't understand why why France is spending money on propping up regimes around the world. So as an electioneering stratagem, reducing French presence and perhaps even withdrawing it totally is not a bad position for Macron to be in. Whether it's a lasting position, nobody knows because, you know, there could be a, a terror attack in Paris and suddenly everybody will say, well, why the hell are we doing anything about it? There are an awful lot of parallels with Afghanistan. And, you know, this summer, while we were all watching the chaos unfolding there, I suppose a lot of the French were also looking at the similar drawdown plan emerging in Mali. But, you know, you've got the problem of a population that's no longer really supportive of the force that's there. You've got the problem of, of rising Islamism, bad governance, you know, not even a, a government you can prop up. Is this comparable? Yeah, I think so. Not just comparable, but directly linked. Macron, who was growing slightly tired with how little could be achieved by having a a large military force in Mali, saw, as Biden had, that it was unsustainable. 
it only made sense if, as the Americans had hoped in Afghanistan, there was some lasting transition to a democratic order. It took America a long time to get to the point where they said, well, it's not working. And Macron saw that he too might end up with a forever war. And first of all, it would harm him in next year's elections, but also that this isn't where France really wanted to be. I think he's wrong. If he goes, somebody moves in. Well, talking of which, the British are also involved in Mali. I mean, how has that come about? And are we likely to have to plug some of that gap? Well, I mean, everybody is now wondering about it. British troops are back in harm's way in their most dangerous deployment since the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. This time as part of a UN peacekeeping mission in Mali. We couldn't replace France in any real sense, but putting a couple of hundred soldiers in Africa at any one time seems to me quite a good investment. Coming up, we'll hear how Russian interests could make an already combustible situation even more dangerous. But first... I'm Anthony Lloyd, war correspondent for The Times. It's you who enables me to report from some of the most volatile environments in the world. Get to the heart of the stories that matter every day with The Times and Sunday Times. Subscribe today and enjoy one month free. Visit thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. For months, Mali has been on the brink of disaster. It suffered a series of coups, a government struggling to contain the rising tide of Islamism and an increasingly unpopular French military mission getting ready to draw down its troops. And now, a notorious group of Russian mercenaries have spotted an opportunity. 
I mean, the Russians have never quite gone away from Africa. They backed a lot of the liberation movements and gave shelter quite often to rebel leaders in Moscow. I'm talking during Cold War days. So Russia had quite a good emotional connection, let's put it that way, with a certain segment of the post-colonial ruling classes of Africa. It sort of declined a bit, just as Russia declined and the Soviet Union broke up. But there was always that connection. So, for example, there are a lot of people around Putin's circle who actually served either as GRU agents or as advisors or whatever in Africa. So they sort of get it. They get the nature of power and how a relatively small number of really efficient, trained people can nudge a country in their direction. They would never do it in the American way, you know, putting 100,000 troops somewhere and saying, you know, we're going to sell this country and re-educate it. They just do it differently. It does seem like Russia has managed to exert quite a lot of influence in the continent on the cheap. I mean, tell us a bit about the methods they're using. Tell us about the Wagner Group. Yeah, it's not, by the way, just the Wagner Group. I think there are a number of private Russian military contractors who are around. So it's sometimes Wagner is just used as if it's a massive spider that's creeping around the world. But the concept is there. What has happened with Wagner is there are a lot of trained Russian soldiers who can leave service relatively early, that's to say young enough to have a second career, who are underpaid in the Russian army, but well-trained. And these people are a pool for private armies, for mercenaries. Oligarchs got this right at the beginning in the 1990s. A parliament spokesman says demonstrators have taken over that building, and others are trying to take over a television station. I'm for the power of the soldier. This man yells at a policeman. This country is collapsing because they needed private armies to protect, because it was really brutal, the transition to this privatization of what used to be the Soviet Union. And so these people were incorporated into a theory of war. So by the time of the invasion of Ukraine, you didn't really want to invade it with Russian troops, because that would generate a hostile response from the West. So you hired former soldiers. This morning, more unidentified pro-Russia armed militias patrolling the streets of Crimea's capital. These were trained forces, private, with access to live state military intelligence and Russian military kit, helicopters and so on. And that's how bits of eastern Ukraine were taken over very fast and how Crimea was annexed almost overnight. And that became a model for all sorts of opportunities, let's say. And that's how Putin sees it. So in Venezuela, they came to help Maduro stay in power, and they were in Syria. American troops came under attack on this spot last month by 500 fighters, including Russian mercenaries, an international incident shrouded in secrecy. There was a terrific firefight with a group of about 30 American elite special forces, so the Delta Force, who were guarding a Kurdish oil well back in 2015. And they showed their worth because these people were willing to risk death, not because they had any particular faith in their country, but because they were offered 
between two and three thousand dollars a month, which is a lot, and then various other perks, including a sixty grand payoff to their family if they got killed, and private medical treatment if they were wounded. They were looked after, therefore they fought hard, and the Wagner managed to muster a lot of people, five hundred. I don't know whether they're all Russians or whether some were hired locally uh, and started to move on the oil wells. And they fought like crazy for an hour or two. So on that night, we started receiving uh, artillery rounds in around right where you're standing. General Braga says he immediately picked up a hotline to the Russian military. So you called and said, stop this? Yes, I did. What response did you get? Uh, Those are not our forces. The Americans were heavily outnumbered, so they called in air cover. The full might of what America had to offer, you know, stealth aircraft, Raptor drones, and all this kind of stuff was thrown at the Wagner group. But they fought on. They fought on for four or five hours. It was the only American-Russian military standoff since forever, really. And after four hours or so, the Wagner people withdrew. I think they lost about 30 people or something out of that 500. For the and Americans, was that was that a real sort of alarm bell? You know, the, Well, yeah, the, it expected? was. Yeah. But they sort of won that encounter. So they weren't embarrassed by it. But there was part of them that thought, well, you know, what the hell? You know, is that going to happen again? So if that's what happens with 500... What happens if they send 1,000? Yeah, what happens if they send 2,000? It's a more impressive fighting force than they'd imagined. Yeah, very much so. So on the whole, I think the Americans kept quite quiet about it or, or sort of played it down. The Wagner group kind of used it in advertising and Russia was quietly pleased about it. And they're everywhere. Well, everywhere where there's a conflict where Russia can tip the scales. So it was this realisation that a small number of forces, well-paid, and deniable as an instrument of Russian policy, even though they quite clearly were, could tip the balance. That was important. And there is now sort of a certain mystique around the Wagner Group in particular. I mean, there was a trailer for a film, Tourist, which recently premiered in a packed football stadium in the Central African Republic. Talk us through it. It's part of what I would call the heroization of the mercenary. It's done for initially Central African Republic consumption because mercenaries are very active there, but also for African in general. Basically, it shows a group of Russian military instructors, which is how they see themselves in, you know, fighting the good fight. And this particular film was made by a company associated with the man behind the Wagner Group, Prigozhin, who is sometimes known as Putin's chef. He denies direct involvement in its management. He's distanced himself sufficiently from Wagner so that he can't be punished for that. But he's the guiding spirit. And Roger, in The Tourist, we sort of see this Hollywood version of what the Wagner Group does. It turns up, saves the day. But in terms of what they're really doing on the ground in places like the Central African Republic... I mean, what are we seeing? It's part of a bigger business model, you see. And I think in Mali, they will probably come nominally to stabilize the regime. But the broader business model of the Wagner Group is to do with natural resources. What they do is get concessions on 
mining and prospecting as a kind of hostage to fortune. In case Wagner bills are not paid, they will just take over these assets and say, well, in lieu of the 400 million pounds worth of bullion that you promised us, we'll take this mine and this mine. And they do very well out of that kind of thing. And some of these minerals, they're, of course, very desirable for the Russian market. And indeed, for the Chinese markets, about denying the Chinese access to these assets as well. When you realize the importance that, that has for the Wagner model, then you realize that actually Wagner must be, in one way or another, a Russian state actor. What does the view look like now if you're in the Kremlin? If you look at the events of this summer, you watch the Afghan withdrawal, you watch Mali now. What are you thinking? I think Putin always thinks in terms of opportunities. So he just needs to stay on his, you know, on the balls of his feet. You know, he's a judo player, right? So, uh, I mean, the simple answer is he sees this vacuum as America and France and others lose the determination to fight abroad. Now, the issue is, what does he do with that opportunity? Does he make mischief just to expose the further weakness of the United States? Does he do it in such a way that weakens the ties between America and its allies and discredits the idea that America is the guarantor of security? But then comes the third question. Well, okay, so what if he does take over Mali? You know, what if it becomes quite clearly within the Russian sphere of interest. Does he want that? Does he want to take over the responsibility of another state that's falling apart? And Mali is on the migration route. It's maybe the critical crossroad between West Africa and North Africa, and therefore into Europe. If you control Mali, then you're controlling the whole of not only the sub-Sahara, but you're also controlling the future of climate migration and how it can destabilize states. Does he want to do that? That would make him into some kind of weird James Bond villain. That's why I think, on balance, in the end, you have to say he's an opportunist. There isn't some massive plan for Russia to take over Africa. He wants to deny bits to China. He wants to grab some natural resources. And he wants to do it at low cost and in a deniable way. All these things are coming true. We see Mali now at risk of, of, of becoming a proxy war, certainly for influence between global powers. Does this raise the risks of bringing Russia into direct Cold War-style confrontation with the West? And is that something they almost welcome? Oh, no, I don't think so. Uh, well, I don't think Putin does. He wants to keep on testing the West. He keeps on wanting to see the West blink. But a Cold War confrontation, he's brought up in the generation, which makes that the absolute doomsday. I mean, it's the absolute measure of failed policy if you allow for outright military confrontation with another superpower and put your country at risk. And that's why, on the whole, he uses mercenary groups. He uses people like Wagner because they're deniable. You know, he can just say, oh, that's private enterprise for you. You know, they're everywhere. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. With me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, The Times diplomatic editor, Roger Boys. You can read all of Roger's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. 
The producer was Chris Wade. The executive producer today was James Shield. And sound design was by David Crackles. If you'd like to get in touch with any thoughts on what you've just heard or any ideas for future episodes, then do drop us a line. You can email us at storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. See you tomorrow. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.